When COVID hit at the beginning of 2020, there were a lot of businesses that stopped operating. They may have went out of business. They may have just closed their doors temporarily, and then it turned out being longer than they expected. But there are a few brave souls that actually tried to start a business during that time. Our guest was not one of those. He actually started right before, and then COVID smacked him in the face, so to speak. And it's been an interesting ride. He's going to tell his story and some of the key takeaways from that in this episode. Make sure to listen to the end. Here we go. Hi, I'm Tim Jordan, and in every corner of the world, entrepreneurship is growing. So join me as I explore the stories of successes and failures. Listen in as I chat with the risk takers, the adventurous, and the entrepreneurial veterans. We all have a dream of living a life fulfilling our passions, and we want a business that doesn't make us punch a time clock, but instead runs around the clock, in the AM and the PM. So get motivated, get inspired. You're listening to the AM PM Podcast. As FBA business owners, we've put thousands of hours of hard work into growing our businesses. But what happens when you've grown the business as much as you can and don't have the time or resources to take it to that next level? Enter Thrasio. Thrasio has acquired over 125 Amazon businesses from owners just like you. With more than 600 experts at the top of their field in brand management, growth marketing, creative, and supply chain, Thrasio's operating team can grow your business exponentially. Once you've sold your business, simply celebrate a lucrative exit and watch your personal wealth grow while your brand flourishes in Thrasio's portfolio. To connect with Thrasio's deal team, visit thrasio.com slash helium10. That's T-H-R-A-S-I-O dot com slash helium10 for more information on if your brand is a good fit for Thrasio. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the AMPM podcast. I'm your host, Tim Jordan, and today I have a guy that knows a little bit about digital marketing. His name is Kevin Miller from a company called Grow, spelled G-R-0. So welcome to the show, Kevin. Thank you, Tim. Really appreciate being here. Now, we're going to get into your story about this crazy business that you started right in the middle of COVID. We're going to talk about uh, some of the best practices and the things that we need to know going into 2022 for SEO and search engine optimization, all that good stuff. But first, I want you to brag for a second. You were telling mm-hmm. me before we started recording that your company, Grow, who is just not even two years old yet, right? Like a little less than yep. two years old, is winning industry awards and you're doing you know ridiculous revenue. You're growing your team. So this is your chance just to brag for a second about all these crazy awards you've won and some of these accomplishments. Yeah, thanks, Tim. I really appreciate that. I think we, uh, so like you mentioned, we're less than two years old. We're, we did about $16 million in revenue this year. We're shooting for 40 plus next year. Um, I, I think that the reason that we're winning these awards and we're getting this recognition is we have an amazing company culture. Everyone is treated, you know, the way we treat others, the way we, you, we, we, I want to be treated, the way you want to be treated. And so that kind of just fosters a really productive work environment. And so yeah, we've won awards from from Forbes, from Business Insider, from Comparably, from Glassdoor, and uh, it's just been a testament to hiring good people that that are humble and 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 want to do great work. So, what are some of these awards? <clears throat> well, we won uh, four awards last week that were given out by Comparably. One was uh, Best CEO. Uh, the next was Best Workplace for Women. Um, best next next was Best Company Culture, and the last one was Best Company for Diversity. And so you know, through our recruiting process, we, we make sure that we get people from all over the United States that come from different backgrounds, different socioeconomic statuses, 
because it, it's the, it creates the best melting pot for learning and different ways of thinking. And so uh, we've had a focus on that and it's turned out to, you know, we've applied for these awards and, and we've won them. So you're uh, going to wrap up this year with 16 million in revenue next year, obviously going to be larger. And you've got how many employees now? We've got 80 full time and then we've got a hundred writers. So a lot of our business is writing long form blog posts for clients. Yeah. So, you know, I consider it close to 200 people that are, that are, um, on, the know, team. on payroll. Yep. And then you've got less than two years under your belt. That's amazing. So, Folks, the reason I wanted him to brag for a second is, as he goes into his story, I wanted you to kind of see the end result of like, you know, the status now, but the beginning of the story is a little bit tougher. So I think that there's going to be some cool takeaways and some cool, um, maybe anecdotes and, and stuff that we can come through your story and maybe some lessons, maybe some advice that we can take away from you. Cause obviously you're successful, right? In a time that has been very, very challenging. So Walk us through briefly what you were doing before you got in the SEO agency. I know that you were involved heavily in Silicon Valley with some names that most people would recognize. Yeah, so I started my career in San Francisco. I worked for a company called MessageMe. It was a competitor to WhatsApp, and I was the first marketing hire. And um, they ended up get acquiring, getting acquired by Yahoo, but I didn't go with the acquisition. Um, it was just for the engineering talent. So then um, <clears throat> I was fortunate after that to actually get a job at Google, and I was an account manager there. And so um, I was building ad campaigns for small and medium businesses, learning a ton about just how to do a really good job and efficient job at spending money on Google. Um, and that's where I cut my teeth with digital marketing. They have one of the best training programs in the world, as you can imagine. And I became fascinated with it. And then um, I left Google because I didn't want to be one dimensional. I wanted to learn how to do SEO, email marketing, affiliate marketing, et cetera, because I always had a desire to be an entrepreneur. And so um, I left and I did actually a marketing boot camp. It was called Tradecraft, 90 days intensive program that I had to pay for. So when I left Google, you know, everyone thought I was an idiot because um, who would leave that type of an opportunity? Um, but I knew there was uh, more to learn. So I did that. And then after that, uh, I worked at three different startups, none of which you would have heard of. Um, and it was kind of a rocky road. I thought, you know, hey, I'm coming from Google. Everyone's going to want to hire me. It wasn't the case. <laughs> Um, one of the companies, uh, just went out of business, failed to raise money. Uh, the other one was actually a good marketing role, just the wrong company. It wasn't something I was super passionate about. And then four years ago, I got a job at a company called open listings, which is a real estate technology platform, just like Redfin. Uh, and that moved me down to Los Angeles. And then, uh, two years ago, it got acquired by open door, which is now publicly traded. Um, and, uh, and so, you know, I bounced around to a lot of different companies, some by choice, some not by choice. But in that, I learned a lot about how to build a company culture that, that really works, how to keep your team members motivated, how to hire, uh, just how to do good work. Because I saw so many different leaders. I probably worked for seven or eight different companies, you know, in a, in a four or five year period of time. Um, and so... Um, you know, I just learned a lot uh, through that experience, which I think prepared me to to be a, you know, do a good job in my role today. So you don't necessarily have the same background as a lot of our listeners, right? Most of our listeners did not come from Silicon Valley and large companies that were IPOing and things like that. A lot of us came from different types of uh, income or different backgrounds, right? When we got into business. But the point is, you were in a situation where you were making money, you were working for somebody and you decided at some point that you wanted to strike it out on your own and start your own business. What was one of the big determining factors to make you say, 
hey, I want to do this by myself. Like, I know it's going to be a lot of work, but what pushed you over the edge to actually take on this endeavor? Well, you know, I actually became fascinated with the idea of growing a website from zero to a million unique visitors a month. I just thought, all, all from organic search, I thought, how could that possibly be? I've seen a ton of blogs about it online. How do people actually do it? And I found a passion for explaining concepts in the English language. So like if you've ever had your friends debate about there versus there, like get friend, yeah. get, 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 you know, get annoyed by people's grammar. <clears throat> I decided to start a blog. It's called the wordcounter.com. And I started that before starting grow and it really started to work. We've got thousands of, of blog pieces of blog content explaining these concepts and, um, Long story short, it's been you know two and a half years since I started that. That that website now has a million unique visitors a month, all from organic search. And when that started to pick up, I got the confidence to realize like, hey, I can do this. You know, I actually do everything I've learned from these past roles and and the online courses I've done and the countless hours of research, YouTube videos. It actually works. And so it gave me that personal confidence. And then a friend of mine called me while I was working at Open Door, and he said, hey, I have a friend who. Is the, is the founder of Ritual, which is a popular women's and, and now men's vitamin company. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they need an SEO consultant. Um, you know, are you available? And I had never done SEO consulting. So I was actually quite nervous, but I told him, yes, let's do it. And um, I started working with them, got paid, you know, a small amount to work with them on a monthly basis. And, and we really hit it off, got along really well, super impressive people over there. And I, um, at the same time, my co-founder, John, was actually doing the same thing. He was doing freelance SEO consulting while working another full-time job. And so we came together and we said, let's just looked at ourselves and said, hey, I think we can do this. You know, we never, neither of us thought about starting an agency ever. It was never of interest. Um, you know, we just wanted to make money and have fun. We're just, you know, had an entrepreneurial spirit. Um, mm-hmm. Never really focused on doing that. So we really fell into the opportunity because... Um, we were getting asked by friends and businesses to help with that specific thing where we had, uh, you know, a, a, an undeniable passion. Yeah. So you decided you were going to strike it off, start this business. You walked away from, you know, whatever else you were doing at probably one of the most tumultuous times in, you know, the past 100 years of history. So you started this project right about the turn of 2020, right? And you officially launched in February of 2020 right before COVID pandemic lockdowns and all that stuff started happening. So how did that affect your launch plan? Right. Did it slow things down? Were you really freaking out? Or are you thinking, Hey, this is actually the best time to be in digital marketing because everybody's going online. So walk me through like that first couple months and, and the impact that COVID had on it. Yeah. Well, I quit my job February 7th of 2020. And I think there were some, maybe some reports abroad about coronavirus, but uh, none that came to my attention in the United States. I was um, actually in San Francisco on February 5th. And I remember just the rumors talking about yeah. it. In the office. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Interesting. So it was right around that time. So somehow it never got to me or if it did, I didn't, I didn't pay attention to it. Um, but then later on in February, obviously it became readily apparent. And uh, we probably had like five clients at this time. Um, but do, man, I was terrified. I mean, my, my partner and I both saved, 20 grand each. That was our life savings to try to make this work. Um, Sales went absolutely dead on March 1st, March 1st to the end of March. No one, uh, no one would sign up. There was just complete frenzy and we didn't, we had no idea what we were going to do. I mean, we were terrified literally. Um, 
And, so this uh, is your first month launch. You've sunk your your life savings. You've walked away from your jobs. <laughs> you're not getting sales. <laughs> yeah, <clears throat> and we've got no money coming in because all the money that we're getting paid, you know, is going to actually provide all these services. We have writers to yep. pay. We've got softwares to pay, and so you know, we probably had like three months of living, uh, you know, because our rent was you know four, three, three or four grand, and so yeah, man, it was a. Um, it was a, a really scary time. Uh, we tried we tried to raise money for the company, never worked. No one said yes. Um, so you know, it just kind of stiffened our resolve that we've got to figure this out one way or another. And um, fortunately, I think I remember it like you know, kind of like it was yesterday around the turn of the first of April, second of April, people started answering the phone again. And um, I think business owners had a revelation that hey. You know, we were online before, but not in the way that we actually need to be now. And the world is really changing. It's not time to not uh, invest in online. It's time to do the opposite. And so things really started to pick up. We had this macro trend where everyone realized, hey, we need to go online. And uh, and there's no substitute for it because retail was, was, was dying. And so it was very fortunate to have that sort of turn of events because, you know, that, that was the catalyst to, to get us to our first 20, 25, 30 clients. So I know that you must have had a game plan, right? You've been talking about this for a long time. You've got, you know, um, kind of D-Day, so to speak. You walk away from your income, you start this job. Was the plan significantly changed? Like, did you have to pivot a lot or did you just have to hold on and ride out the the slow time? It was more the latter, just hold on and ride out the slow time. Um, you know, we still knew there were some people who were going to be interested in this. We just didn't know how many. But yeah, I mean, we had built up years of, a solid network of people who were owners of businesses, marketing directors, heads of growth, so that we had leads coming in through mutual friends. We had a good, solid reputation. People generally believe we were smart guys. And so it, it, the, the, we never really deviated from the strategy. It was all about fostering good, strong relationships, getting people to believe in us. And then once we got the client, delivering for them like there was no tomorrow, you know, caring about that client like more than we would care about our own money. And so- that's been the key. And I'm not saying that <laughs> that you have a crappy agency or you're not special, right? I'm not saying that because even some of the things like the awards that you've won for diversity have nothing to do with SEO performance. But do you think that COVID allowed you to scale faster? Like maybe there's a higher demand. Do you think that your business is where it is now and would be probably at a little lower positioning if COVID hadn't happened? No doubt about it. I, I, we owe a lot of, there's a lot of credit that goes to COVID, but not just for the, with the business growth, mainly the, the, the best and most fortuitous, you know, outcome of that has been the hiring. So, you know, we're based in Los Angeles. We don't have to hire all in Los Angeles. In fact, 70% of our workforce is all over the United States. So what you get with that is, yes, you get to, you know, you're able to pay people a little bit less than you would in Los Angeles because cost of living adjustments. However, the people who th there are, millions of really, really, really talented digital marketers in, in a bunch of rural areas that deserve an amazing opportunity to work at a cool company that come with a, a really positive attitude and, a, and a, you know, a sense of like gratefulness for the job that I think has really been the key to, to our culture. We, we try to provide opportunities to people who want them and are qualified to, to receive them. But that's a big difference, you know, not to knock Silicon Valley or Los Angeles or New York City, but you know, people who live in those cities, they, they typically come from, you know, good backgrounds. They've had a lot of opportunities in their in their life. They're, you know, privileged in certain senses. And so and, and they've worked at other amazing companies. So when you get to work at a company like ours, it's not that special. 
But if we hire somebody from Gainesville, Florida, or, or you know, a small town in Texas, they're looking at this like this is my ticket. You know, this is my chance to do what I love for a cool company, and that's what we've really leaned into, and it's it's paid dividends. So you think the adoption of remote working has has really been increased because of COVID? A hundred percent. Yep. No yeah. doubt about it. Like nothing I've ever seen. In fact, I've got a friend who just started, just got a company funded this morning that is focused on creating remote retreat experiences. So, you know, he can, at the, at the middle of next year, we're going to sign up with him and have all 100 employees in a, in a certain a location and he'll organize everything, flights, activities, all that. Um, because the, you know, team bonding and all of that has changed drastically because, yeah. you know, the office, the people just aren't together. They haven't met in person and, and sometimes they never will. So going back to this, this crisis of, oh crap, we started a company and nobody's, <laughs> nobody's buying. At what point did you finally start to sleep at night realizing, okay, I think this is working? Like how long did that take before you felt like you could catch your breath? Probably about six months. And the reason for that was, you know, in the early days, I, I, I always laugh about this with my partner. I don't know if either of us could do this again. The pain that we went through to get to where we are today was unparalleled. I mean, it takes out, it takes more out of you than, than I think anyone even realizes. Um, sometimes relationships go by the wayside, you know, personal health and personal care goes by the wayside. There was just, you know, I was our head of finance. I know, I know very little to nothing about how to do that. Um, I was our head of HR, you know, all these different things, our head of legal these are things that I'm not proficient in that now we actually have professionals in those seats that are much better than I am. And so that really kept me awake at night because there's a lot of things in the early days of running a business that you need to get right, such as where do you get insurance? Who's your lawyer? Um, how are you managing your cash flow? Um, how are you forecasting, you know, what you can pay your employees? All these things have very little margin for error. And so that was pretty nerve wracking. And, and not to mention you know, where are you going to get your sales <laughs> and are more sales coming in? And can you keep your yeah. clients? All these things uh, pile up. But we reached a point of maturity where I was able to sleep well around six months. But now it's, it's so much better. We have a fully built out team and um, it's just about scaling. So what is the piece of advice that you'd give to somebody who is thinking about, you know, basically closing off their income to start a business, knowing that it's going to be rough. Like what advice would you give them as far as maybe it's patience or um, having an optimistic mindset or something like that? Because th there's no sugarcoating it. It sucks. Yeah, it sucks. When I walked sucks. away from my full-time, my last full-time job, like it was terrifying. Now yeah. I was lucky enough that my wife had some income that she could support the family. We weren't going to go bankrupt and lose the house, but it wasn't going to last long. Right. So yeah. what would be your advice for someone that's listening to this and is is hearing you say, oh my gosh, I, I would probably not survive it again because it was so tough and it was miserable and it was a lot of work. What would you tell well, them? My best specific advice is to find someone who has run a similar business and ask them how they did it. Because I could say all day something very broad, like have a great attitude, persevere, this, that, and the third. But that never helped me when I was listening to these types exactly. of podcasts. The honest answer is find, I found another guy that, that ran a digital marketing agency that was successful that I really looked up to. And I asked him how he did it. And what I mean by that is how, how did you hire specifically? Where did you go? Did you, did you use LinkedIn? Did you use indeed? Did you use a different service? How much do you pay for a hire? What's the cost structure? Yep. Um, these types of things, I, I, you know, this was a relationship that I had previously where it was a friend first and a business, you know, associate second, which I think is key. 
and uh, find a way to compensate those people. Don't just take their advice for granted. Even if you can't pay a lot, just pay a little, take them out to dinner, take them out to coffee, show your gratitude for, for, for them giving you that information. Because what took that person two or three years to learn, he can tell me in 30 seconds or a minute, and it might save me hundreds of thousands of dollars. And there's no hyperbole in that. I mean, really making the wrong hire is, is costly. So he helped me understand what softwares to use. You know, like we use Rippling for our HR and payroll. Um, and you know, all these different things that are very pointed questions. Where do I go to get my insurance? Do I need directors and officers? Do I not? Things that I just would never know and that you can't necessarily get from Google. And that will save you a lot of time and effort. I think that's one of the most um, underrated pieces of advice. You know, go out and ask somebody. It's kind of interesting in this world of like entrepreneurism. We're led to think that success is living the laptop lifestyle and figuring this out on your own and being a lone wolf. And But man, that sucks because if I look back at all the stupid mistakes that I made that cost me time, money, you know, led me down, you know, the road of depression and anxiety and all these things. Yeah. Like looking back, I go, holy crap, if I'd have just asked this guy for five minutes, he could have helped steer me away from this. So for all of you that are listening that feel like, you know, you've got that gumption and that gusto to go out and be an entrepreneur. Yes, have it. But ask for directions too, right? Don't just get on the road and start driving and, and assume you're going to yeah. figure it out because you might get there, but take you a lot longer than someone showing you the shortcut. Yeah, I, I found my best trait as a CEO is humility because I don't know what I don't know and I'm not afraid to admit it. it does, I don't find it to be a weakness anymore. I used to think that way, but I found it to be a strength because – if I knew everything, I'd already be rich. I'd already have multiple exits. I don't. So, you know, I stay humble and and just take it one day at a time, learning from people who I think are smarter than me. Amen. So speaking of learning from people that are smarter than me, let's talk a little bit about SEO, right? You're, obviously, your company's doing well. You're growing fast. You must be having some success because if you sucked at SEO, you wouldn't be growing. Yep. We've talked about changes. We've talked about things slapping us in the face and having to make adjustments. And I know that with the you know, recent adoption, heav heavier adoption of online stuff. And of course, all the iOS changes and all the privacy law changes and all that crap that's going on. Yep. Um, there's a lot of talk about like what's going to happen in 2022 for digital marketing. So I would love to leverage some of your experience and your team's experience now and find out like what we need to be aware of going into 2022 for an SEO strategy. Well, what I'm seeing right now is that with the, with the iOS changes, it's getting harder and harder to target consumers specifically, which means you need to show your ads to more people in order to get a purchase or get a customer, which is more costly. And so I'm seeing a shift from rented channels, which I would say is Google ads, Facebook ads, Instagram ads, to owned channels, which is SMS, SEO, and email marketing, where you actually own the first party data. And so... I, if I was starting a brand today, I would lean in and focus on cultivating the audience and getting to know them, uh, you know, on a first person level through those channels. But the things that primarily are going to help from an SEO perspective for any site, whether it's old or new, is making sure that your homepage is optimized for the really what you do. So, for example, if you run an Amazon ads agency, the title tag of your homepage should say Amazon ads agency and then the name of your business. Um, that's one of the most simple, simplistic and easy factors for telling Google what your website is about and what keyword to rank it for. So in the case of Zillow, you know, their, their title tag is, um, you know, homes for sale 
apartments for sale, things like that, because that's what they do. And then um, secondly would be, you, you know, one of the biggest factors for ranking on Google is getting written up in the news. You have to get press some way, somehow. Uh, you can do press releases. You can use a program called helperreporter.com, which is something I highly recommend doing. It's free. You're able to pitch journalists who are already writing stories and try to get yourself quoted. It doesn't cost a dollar. It's just time and energy. And these are things you can do at home with no budget and no funding. And so those are two things that, you know, the, the, the getting backlinks and getting written up in the news, those are basically the same thing. And um, that will get your website to be trusted by Google, which is the first domino to fall. And then you need to write good content and put it on your website. We're talking like 1500 word blog posts that explain concepts. So for example, we work with a protein powder company called gainful.com write an article that's 1500 words in length that says, what is the best protein powder for men? When do I take it? And in what dose? And the reason we choose that title is because we know from a free tool called Google Keyword Planner that, that you know, 10,000 people a month search for that exact phrase. And so, you know, the, all the, there's no real magic to what we do at Grow. We just ruthlessly execute by writing articles that answer questions people have on Google about a product or about a service. And uh, that's what Google loves. So it sounds like basics. Like I'm asking you what's hot for 2022. And it's like, well, spend less money on ads and more money on good content and Mm -hmm. don't try anything fancy. Like just get people to come to your site. Right. It seems like that's happening on marketplaces, on search engines. Like all of these different algorithms are now prioritizing just, good customer experience. Yep. You have to, you have to offer something that's legitimately of value. And I, I, I've learned this the hard way. I've tried a million shortcuts before starting grow. I've had five, six businesses that I've started that have all failed. Um, I've gotten websites banned by Google for cheating the system by buying backlinks. I mean, you name it, I've tried it. Uh, but I learned that if you want to build something that has real enterprise value and staying power, there is no, no shortcut. So especially when it comes to SEO, it's just a long game. Like the, the riches and benefits that await you in the game of SEO only come to those who are patient. And, um, you know, for two years, like I mentioned, I've been working on this grammar website. It really only picked up in the last six months. Yeah. And so I could have quit the first 18 months, but I knew I was, I just committed in my head to myself, Hey, I'm going to do this for two years and see what happens. And uh, a lot of brands don't do that. Either it's too costly or they don't believe in their strategy. They change their strategy. You just can't afford to do that in SEO. It just doesn't work that way. Well, I think that a lot of people also equate SEO with old, right? Because SEO has been a term that's been around for 20 or 25 years now. And, you know, does SEO really matter? Well, let's talk about influencer marketing. Let's talk about funnels. Let's talk about this, this, this. But what I keep seeing, and you tell me if I'm wrong, but like SEO is still the king of digital marketing because it's, free traffic if you do it right it's well it's not free to get set up but once you get running like it's organic traffic so the Uh authority is the highest the trust is the highest you're not having to pay per click right do you still see seo as the lowest hanging fruit for traffic i i do and i think that you know seo does have a connotation of being old or being boring or hard to understand but therein lies the opportunity not just for me running an agency i'm more mean for a brand Uh, to come in and crush it because your competitor is going to focus on, you know, uh, building ad creatives and running ads on all these different networks, you know, good luck to them. 
Um, if I was a new business owner running an e-commerce business or any business there for that matter, I'd want to focus on just SEO. And, um, and so I think that's where the, the focus should be in 2022. If you look at companies like Thumbtack or Canva or, you know, there's so many great examples of companies that have just ruthlessly executed on one strategy. Grammarly, for example. Yep. Grammarly is a, is a grammar tool that, you know, that gets about 20 million unique visitors a month. And it's because they take the same strategy that my blog does, which is explaining grammar concepts, you know? And so, um, you know, we have a client today that outranks CVS and Walgreens for the term children's vitamins. And that's because for the past year and a half, we've been focusing on just getting written up in the news and writing articles about um, what vitamins kids should take in what dose, why, what are the benefits, side effects? I mean, we've just become a fully full domain expert on medications for kids. And um, that keyword alone, like that one placement, I think they rank number three or number four. It's worth a hundred thousand dollars a month, every single month in free traffic, just like you're talking about. Awesome. That's amazing. So all of you that are listening, don't give up on SEO. Um, don't buy into all the shiny object syndromes, the high PS. I think that uh, there are a lot of things that are valuable through paid ads still and influencer marketing and affiliate marketing, and all that good stuff. But SEO is still continuing to drive um, what I believe to be some of the most exciting results and exciting performance for brands that I own and brands that, you know, I watch what they're doing. So speaking of uh, content, I'm sure that if people went to your website, they could find just loads and loads of content about SEO, right? Um, yeah, we've got a ton of a ton of documentation about SEO and and how what our our angle on it is and and all that good stuff. So, any of you want to nerd out, go to grow.com, G R zero, so the the actual numerical sign zero, grow.com to get all of that stuff. Um, as we kind of wrap it up, any other final kind of piece of advice or words of wisdom you'd like to share as everybody's going into their twenty twenty two when it comes to their digital marketing or starting a business in the midst of chaos. Well, I think I would just reiterate that one point, which is being altruistic with your time. So I think if you're going to expect for someone else to, to give you their information, you have to be willing to do it for other people, kind of pay it forward. So yep. I constantly try to help other entrepreneurs with no expectation of anything in return. And what happens is, you know, the other the other like pointed specific piece of feedback I would give is sometimes I just make email intros to two people that haven't met. And I don't even really ask them if they want to be introduced. I just make the introduction knowing that they will. And um, that usually comes back to me and and leads to some pretty cool opportunities. And I think, yep. um, you know, there's some people in the world where their whole profession is to be a connector. And that's kind of one of the facets of being a connector. And uh, I've learned that the chances of your business being successful, no matter what it is, so much higher if you're in the right network. And so fostering the right network, even reaching out cold to people saying, hey, can I introduce you to this person or can I help you with this goes a long way. So I would just double down on that piece of advice because that that's probably it's applicable to any different situation because someone could be listening to this saying, well, I just started a, a flower shop in retail. You know, what can what am I going to learn from this guy? Well, there's probably what you could learn is there's probably another flower shop down the street that's done pretty well and go go pick their brain. Ask them what's been successful and what hasn't. Don't do the stuff that hasn't. And uh, could save that person a year. Yep. I love it. Great advice. Well, congratulations on all your success. And uh, we're recording here right before the end of the year. Uh, I think this episode's going to drop right at the first of the year. So congratulations on the past 
20 months or so and uh, really exciting stuff and good luck going into the next year. And again, for all of you that want to kind of learn from some of this free stuff he's given out, grow.com and uh, that'll wrap us up. So thanks Kevin for being on and we'll talk to all of you. uh, Well, I guess we won't talk to, but we'll talk at all of you (laughs) listeners on the next episode. (laughs) Thanks everyone. See you later. Thank you.